Welcome to the Potomac Pastors Podcast, a ministry for pastors by pastors. The Potomac Pastors Podcast is sponsored by the Department of Ministry of the Potomac Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, created for the purpose of inspiring, motivating, and encouraging pastors. So if you're looking for a little inspiration, then stay tuned as the podcast is about to begin. Hello, everyone. So glad to have you with us on the Potomac Pastors Podcast. I'm Rick Johns, and I'm joined today by Julio Munoz, and he is the Associate Director of Communication at the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. And we are going to be talking about communication today. So Julio, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. Good to be with you. So Julio, I want to start by just getting a little background on you and your expertise in communication and your passion for communication. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what you love doing and what you love about the professional side of communication. Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I am currently the Associate Director for Communication, uh, one of two associates in the North American Division. I've been here for just over six years. One of the principal responsibilities I have now is as the director of the Sunscreen Film Festival. And Mm. uh, the Sunscreen Film Festival, many people have not heard of it, but it is sponsored by the North American Division. And it is a film festival for young and professional Seventh-day Adventist and Christian filmmakers. It's sponsored by the church, but it's not exclusively for Seventh-day Adventists. And it is the only such event sponsored by the church that kind of is a place for young and professional uh, filmmakers and creatives to network with each other, to share their work, and just kind of really inspire uh, each other. That's really cool. Tell us a little about your passion for communication. What, Why did you major in this? What do you enjoy about it? And what is it about this topic and subject that you really enjoy? I actually began as a history political science pre-med major, uh, was getting towards the end of my college time and realized that you know, what I really wanted to do was be involved in storytelling in some way. So Mm. I convinced my parents to let me get another major in communication. Mm. They were great about it. So I got a degree in in communication and just really learned that there are many forms of storytelling and that communication is a form of of storytelling Mm. and kind of got involved involved in in corporate communication uh, from there. Yeah. And maybe that's a good place to start. I think as pastors, we've probably learned the power of storytelling. And I noticed early in my ministry that when people would comment on my sermons, when I would get feedback, almost always they would say, we love that story. Or pastor, yeah, that funny story you told, that happened to me once. They would always relate to the stories in my sermon And I remember even being a little discouraged, like I made three really good exegetical points from the Bible (laughs) and I was waxing eloquent about some really abstract concepts and how powerful they are and making them practical. And all they remembered was the one funny story I threw in uh, just as an icebreaker (laughs) in the sermon. 
So there's something that grips our imagination with a story. Oh, for sure. You know, that's how we connect to each other. You know, stories, one of the things that they do is they show us that we're not alone, you know, in Mm. what we do. Storytelling is a very powerful way to then, as Jesus did, to, you know, uh, explain some complex theological issues without really having to get into them. One of the mm. that you, one of the things that you learn as a storyteller, and you know that uh, I know that filmmakers are often told in school is your audience is smarter than you think. You don't have to, you know, you've either watched a show or heard a story or heard someone tell a story or a joke. Maybe it's easier to tell the joke, you know, where they really think that you may not get the punchline. And so, you know, they're kind of like before they even get to the punchline, they're trying to give it to you, you know, and explain it. And then they usually finish like, get it, get it, you know, and like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. You know, and so when you think of some of the best stories that you hear, wherever you hear them, there's often something left missing. Either the, the storyteller sometimes may not tell you the very, very ending and leave you mm. to figure out, you know, what happened? Did they, did they make yeah. it to the castle? And I don't know. That's up to you. What do you think? You know, did they make it? Did they not make it? And our audiences can connect those dots, you know, very, very easily. If you tell a really good story, and you think it through and the points that you want to make, often you don't need, you know, very much and uh, you will be able to engage your audience. Well, and like you said, it is a powerful tool to connect. And I think when you see Jesus, especially he's, he's connecting with his audience and sometimes his audience was hostile and these parables become a way of teaching something that they would not accept. Mm-hmm. but they relate mm-hmm. to the story and they can walk away kind of confused by this story without realizing he just confronted some of their false beliefs or inaccurate beliefs or hostile <laughs> hostile opinions <laughs> yeah and one of the things that i love about um whether it's reading books uh or you know watching a tv show or a movie with somebody else or at the same time is that most of the time the best part is the conversation afterwards, right? When you're mm. trying to talk it through, what did you think about this part? What do you think this yeah. meant when they did that? What was that about? What? Oh, I didn't think about that. Really? You thought that? So I think the right. same thing can happen with our sermons. And, you know, when we have the opportunities to talk and using storytelling, and I think Jesus did that too. There were the conversations right. afterwards. Well, what did that mean? And yes. sometimes a storyteller will say, well, what do you think it meant? You tell me. Yeah. And there the conversation ensues. And that's where the real lesson can take place. I love that, Julio. And I think that is exactly what Jesus intended, that people would walk yeah. away chewing on these kind of uh, mystery stories that had these surprise twists and endings and just didn't, the ending to so many of Jesus' parables is counterintuitive. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think of that parable where they all get paid the same. The worker that worked 12 hours got paid the same as the worker that worked one hour and the master's just like, and that's the way it ended. And you all Mm -hmm. get the same. (laughs) Yeah. And they would just walk away going, wait, what did he mean by that? What was the point of this? (laughs) Right. Right. It gets you thinking and talking and and sharing and yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. 
powerful, powerful stuff. So let's shift a little bit from the fun side, the storytelling side of communication yeah, sure. and talk about the real side of our professionalism and our jobs. And I know as pastors, we have a public role in our community, in our church. Uh, we also represent our denomination. Maybe mm -hmm. let's start with a basic question before we get into some specifics about how pastors communicate. A basic question, Julio, what makes good communication? Uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. I think one of the most important things is to, as concisely and clearly as possible, mm. you know, express the main point of, of what you want to get across. Oftentimes, I'm going to use emails, for example, mm -hmm. um, because that's a that's a common form of communication that we all use every day, right? That's our day in sure. day out. And you know, I'm sure that you've received you know these emails that uh, you have to scroll and scroll uh, to go yeah. through. It seems kind of like <laughs> stream of consciousness. Someone was kind of writing uh, as they came. And, you know, I've gotten through those and it takes me a while sometimes. And then I'll be thinking, oh, okay. They just wanted to let me know that they liked my, you know, the idea that I gave them, you know, <laughs> but they kind of went through this whole process. And sometimes when I get communication like that, so it can be an email, it can be listening to someone talk. So I get that email and I start scrolling through and like, I said, oh, I'll come back to that later. Or mm -hmm. someone is kind of droning on and on. I tune out, you know, right. and I, I'm not really listening to them. So I think, you know, one of the most important parts of communication, which is why it takes preparation sometimes, I've learned and I'm still learning, you know, that it's important not just to prepare when you're going to give a presentation, you know, or a sermon, but I think it right. applies to all our communications, even that email where you're just answering something. So sometimes, I'll just take a couple minutes to just think through what I want to say and, and just make sure that I just really narrow that down to what they're asking me. If they're asking a question, you know, what yeah. is it that they're asking me? And, and so that's what I will answer. Or if I want to tell someone something, you know, focus on, on just that. Yeah. It, it, it's just being precise. Take a moment to think through what you want to communicate and just make it as concise as possible. Yeah, Julio, you know, that reminds me, I had a graphic designer in my church that would often help me with some of our flyers and newsletters and posters and things that we would do. And one of the things he always said to me as pastor, don't put it in a big, long paragraph. If anything, let's just use a few bullet points on the flyer or in the newsletter, just something to capture the words so they can read it as quickly as possible. Their eye can kind of hit the main points because people won't read a long, wordy, bulky email with long paragraphs that go on and on. And I thought that was really helpful advice. For and sure. I don't know if you can speak to this, but I, I get and write a church newsletter. I get other churches' newsletters, and I've noticed our newsletters can be pretty word heavy, and I end up just skimming them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I just feel like, oh, it's too much. It's too many words. Is, is this what you're getting at a little bit with trying to think more concisely about what we want to communicate? Yes. Less is more because mm. you want them to read all your announcements, right? You want them to yeah. read all through your news. So like our internal newsletter is usually a page, maybe a page and a half, very concise. Nothing is more than a couple paragraphs. One of the things that has happened, 
you know, of late and of late, I mean, you know, in the last couple of decades is, you know, that technology has just exploded, right? So we have so many different channels of communication. So there's so much competition for our attention that people, you know, often can't, I was going to say do not want to, sometimes they don't want to, but they just can't take the time to read everything that you want to write because they're, you're competing with so much. And yeah. so just being short, concise, and to the point uh, is so important. So let's get it more specific, especially to our pastor friends who would be listening to this podcast. Let's say there is some conflict in a church. I know churches never have conflict, but just mm -hmm. hypothetically. Right, right. Just pretend. <laughs> let's just pretend everyone who's yes. listening yes. that there is some tension maybe between some members, maybe between you know a position uh, that your church is trying to move forward on or uh, even it could be a building project, you know, anything can be a source of conflict. And you're trying to navigate your way through that. And I remember, let me maybe put it in a story from my experience. Sure. I remember a time where I was really trying to push a church of mine in the past to be more out, outward centered, outward focused and getting involved in the community. And I got really excited when we were asked to participate in a community event and I shot off an email to my board and, you know, it's one of these group emails with all the board members. I just said, Hey guys, we've been invited. I'm so excited. I already said yes, you know, cause I know we'll want to do this and it's right in harmony with our new vision and our new emphasis and our mission statement. And just really excited that momentum was building at my church. And I said, but I just need a quick vote, you know, that we want to participate. I thought it was a no brainer, you know, it's perfectly in harmony with what we were trying to do that year. Well, the emails came back and several people, oh, that's awesome, pastor, yes. But then, you know, here's an email. Well, I don't know that this really is something we should participate in. It's, you know, this, this, and that. So I start getting mm -hmm. a few no's. Yeah. And then I get one guy who's like, you know, I'm not, I'm gonna refrain from voting. And mm -hmm. I like this guy and I, you know, thought we were friends. And so I just quickly responded, hey, you know, so-and-so, you're the Switzerland of our board, you know, and just made a joke because I was in a good right. mood, thought it was great. Well, that did not go over well with him. And it came out that his non-decision or his non-vote was really a no vote because then he went into all the reasons why he had concern. And he, he, in the group email said, I really don't appreciate being called Switzerland. I made this as an intentional, thoughtful choice. I don't want to stand in the way if the church is excited about this, but I personally am not excited, you know, and it caused a, it just caused so much problem that I did all this in email without being considerate of my audience, of my communication. So Julio, how could I have done that better? <laughs> well, one of the things that is very important to remember, and I'll start kind of with, with the obvious is be very, very careful with reply all. Yes. <laughs> so in, in the email world, so we'll talk about the specific form of communication. You know, the lesson there with be cautious of the reply all is, you know, try to, again, really focus your communication in terms of the content, but also your audience, you know, who yeah. really needs to hear this, who yeah. needs to be, be part of this. Um, I, yeah. And I know that I've talked to many people that have gotten themselves in a difficult situation because of a, a, a joke, like you said, you know, they were just kind of joking mm -hmm. 
And it may have been appropriate for half their email audience, but it wasn't for the other half. <laughs> and they really got themselves, you know, in, yeah. in some hot water. And so, yeah, just simplify, simplify, simplify. It applies to so many things, but I think in terms of communication and group communications, just really approach it in the most simple way that you can. And it's funny because you kind of sound like Jesus, because I think he in Matthew 18 kind of suggested always start with the smallest group to deal with a sensitive issue and only involve others as absolutely needed. <laughs> right. Because that, I mean, in terms of, in terms of, yeah, conflict resolution, right. You go to the person that you have the problem with, you know, don't try to deal with it yeah. in a board meeting in a committee, yeah. um, you know, or although there are situations in which it's good to have a witness with you and another person in some form of sure. communication. But I think for the most part, yeah, just keep it as simple as possible. But even in our everyday emails, when I listened to it, it really occurred to me, just keeping that, if you're going to make the joke, make it with the one person. And in that scenario that I gave you, I don't think my elder would have been hurt or embarrassed if I had just sent it to him. Right. But to have it sent out to everyone, like I'm mocking him or making kind of fun of him, uh, I think that's where the pain and the embarrassment and the frustration and, and then the anger uh, came from. Right. And very, it was very careless on my part. In email, you know, probably the best practice is not just to simplify, but, you know, also keep the tone professional, you know, don't mm. use emojis, you know, just kind of <laughs> it, very dry and, you know, formal <laughs> is, you know, if you want to be very safe about your communications, yeah. that's really the best way to, to do it. And Julio, maybe you can give us a few tips on, let's say you have angered or offended someone in your congregation, not just on email, but in, in something that has happened. What are some things you can think about as to how to communicate with that person who's upset? How do we handle someone in their frustration, in their anger, or maybe in their pain? Uh, what are a few tips that we could keep in mind? It never hurts to get advice, you know, talk yeah. it through. Maybe like it's that. another, a fellow pastor, a colleague that you know well, that may have gone through similar and just talk yeah. it through, or it could be a family member or your spouse, you know, whoever it is. Um, it's always good to kind of talk it through and get somebody else's perspective on it, because maybe you're overreacting to their reaction. And somebody mm. else may tell you like, oh, I think you're, you know, uh, yeah, now maybe you're being too sensitive, you know, mm -hmm. you're going to mm -hmm. make it worse. Don't, you know, because we can sometimes make things worse by trying to apologize, you know, trying to fix the situation <laughs> and it just kind of spirals downward. You know, I can't stress the importance of, you know, getting counsel. For me, it's something that I do even, you know, in the office or at home. Like I'm going to, mm -hmm. I need to say something to my sibling, something they said, I'll talk to my wife and say, hey, this happened. And I feel that I want to say this to them. What do, you, what do you think? And it really is good to get, you know, someone that's not attached to it emotionally to the issue. Exactly. Sometimes be a great sounding board. Very, very wise advice. I appreciate that. Julio, our time is coming to an end, but I wanted to close by asking your opinion as someone who's in the world of media and communications, how important is this world to the church? How much should we be paying attention to social media and to the technology that is around us now? 
How much do you see that as the way of church in the future? Just brainstorm. I know uh, none of us can know exactly how the future will play out, but just from your perspective, what do you see and how should we as pastors be relating to this? Because it's a very different world, uh, even even different now with the pandemic, I feel. Absolutely. Uh, uh, it, it's changing constantly. I'm trying to desperately keep up. Sometimes our kids are the best people, the best resources <laughs> to find out what's going on and, and new ways of reaching people. And uh, because so when we think of social media, you know, some people of a certain generation will think of Facebook and, and Instagram because they were kind of the first ones. But now, you know, kids are on TikTok and there's you know other platforms and you know, we're not even uh, utilizing, you know, uh, the the more mainstream social media platforms, but they're, I think they're crucial to the church. Uh, here at the North American Division, we have now we're building a team, you know, that's going to work to utilize social media for outreach. And we know that, as you mentioned, during the pandemic, you know, that became the main way that church could continue. Mm, um, yeah. Right. Whether it was, you know, live streaming on, on YouTube or Facebook or, or many other platforms, uh, that is how church continued. Um, I hear uh, many pastors saying that, you know, not all of their church members have returned. And many church members are saying they don't necessarily plan to return to in person. So now mm. that social media link just for broadcasting the sermon, for keeping them connected is so important. But it also is a more cost-effective way to reach a larger group of people, you know, when you're just thinking in terms of outreach. And it allows for so much creativity. There is a pastor in Southern California, and some of you may be familiar with him or know him, who uses TikTok as an outreach tool using Chai, you know, the drink, <laughs> the drink chai. And he started um, sharing how he prepared it. And then others would share how they prepared it. Anyways, his, his audience mm. grew and grew and grew. <laughs> and so he uses that as a way to share positive messages and to witness through that tool. And he has a huge audience that has been featured wow. in, yeah. in Fortune magazine and other. So you know, it just allows us to to be creative and to reach a larger audience. So it is very important and we do need to embrace it. Um, this is also, I think, an excellent way as you go into the future that you can get younger people and not so young people that maybe wouldn't normally be inclined to get involved with outreach or be involved even with the church at all but maybe tapping some of these people that maybe know how to use these social media platforms or have followings already might be a way to get them involved with the church. You know, whenever anyone is in a leadership role, sometimes we feel that we have to do it all or we have to know how it all works, but we don't. One of the best pieces of advice I got as, as I was growing professionally was from the president of an organization I worked for who once told me, now that you're in a leadership role, what you need to do is not be intimidated by people that are better than you and know more than you about any particular area. In fact, you should be surrounded by a team that knows more than you mm. uh, and is better at using technology and all these things. You're 
role is pretty much to ask them, what do you need to make this idea happen? How much do you need? I will go advocate for you. I will clear the path so that you can do this. And so I think social media opens up a whole new door for a whole new group of people in our congregations to be involved and to help us and to connect with an audience that we've not connected before. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing that's vital with social media is everything that we've been talking about, about being mindful of what we say and how we say it is that much more important because we're now talking to an incredibly diverse audience. Some of them who may not be faith friendly, uh, they may have no faith background. So we're talking to an incredibly diverse uh, audience. So yeah. along with great opportunity comes great responsibility. Well said. Thank you so much, Julio. I really appreciate you taking time to be with us on this podcast for your insights into communication and definitely encouraging us with these final words of how we can share the gospel to the world, literally, <laughs> from yeah, yes. our little location, wherever we are located. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here with you. You've been listening to the Potomac Pastors Podcast with your host, me, Rick Johns, and our guest today, Julio Munoz. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Hi, this is Deborah Anderson, Assistant to the President, Director of Communications for the Potomac Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Our mission here at Potomac is to grow healthy, disciple-making churches. Potomac pastors develop and empower their members to be servant leaders so they can effectively share the love, hope, and faith of Jesus in their local communities. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the busy urban streets, Potomac's territory covers all of Virginia, the District of Columbia, and Maryland's Montgomery and Prince George's counties. Potomac's 91 pastors minister to more than 37,000 members in 182 congregations. We have over 115 dedicated teachers providing instruction to 1,400 students attending our 17 schools. Potomac also operates Camp Blue Ridge. It's a retreat center nestled in the rolling hills of Montebello, Virginia. If you'd like more information on our ministry and our mission, please visit our website at pcsda.org.